Okay, uh, thank you guys so much for coming tonight. This is week three of missional community training. Uh, tonight we got the special pleasure of having the pastor of New City, Keith Watson. Y'all give it up for Keith. As well as the missional community pastor, right? Missional community pastor, Larry Purvis. Y'all give it up for Larry. So uh, here's, the, here's the kind of the, the spiel for the night. We're, we're leaning into servant missionary. Keith's going to come up, kind of talk about those identities, look at some of the things there. And then him and Larry are going to walk through a Q&A time, and then we'll wrap it up at the end of the night. So y'all give it up for Keith one more time. Appreciate it. Hey, y'all. I am uh, really thankful for uh, the process you guys are in and just really glad that I can be a part of it. Uh, Chris and I have talked about it for a while, so I appreciate it. Um, the opportunity to be here. I, I am, uh, so New City is in the process of moving to another building, and uh, this week has been, like, horrible. <laughs> It actually, it's been a great week. It's just been hard uh, with moving, like three days of moving stuff. So I am, I am sharing that with you because what I want to do so that I don't wander off is just stick really closely to the notes that I've written. And so I hope y'all will forgive me for that. You'll probably should thank me for that rather than forgive me. So I, I just, I'm going to be looking here a lot because I don't want to wander off. Um, and I could talk about this for days, so I don't want to do that. Um, but uh, I, I am glad to be with you. Uh, I know Chris has talked a lot with you guys about identities, um, and I love that because knowing that and understanding that we live in our identities um, is a game changer. The, the Christian life doesn't center on what it is that we are to do first and foremost. Um, really, it is about what has been done for us. Uh, that's what the gospel is. It's not the good news of what you guys need to do. Here's a list of things. The good news is what Jesus has done, has done for us. Um, and, and what we do, um, we, we don't do in order to be Christians or in order to be good Christians. What we do flows out of who we are. That's the way that it should work. What we do as Christians should not be uh, a burden for us. It should not be something that we are trying to do to win favor. It's something that should naturally flow out of who we are. So here's, here's why I asked that question at your table that some of you were like, I, I have no idea how to answer this question. W why do dogs bark but cats do not? That was a fun question, wasn't it? <laughs> dogs bark because they're dogs. Um, that's what dogs do. Uh, at least every dog I've had, and the ones I have right now are big barkers. Um, dogs bark because it's who God made them to be. Uh, cats don't because God did not make them to bark. So dogs do what they do because they're dogs. I hope you're following what I'm saying. What they do flows out of who they are. And that's the way the Christian life is for, for, for us. In, in Jesus, um, all believers are made children of the Most High God. Could we agree on that? Yes? Yes. Um, children of the Most High God, 
Um, and, and when children all share the same father, we say they are what? Listen, Larry, let them answer. <laughs> when, children, when children share the same father, we say they are brothers and sisters, right? And if you, if you think about the New Testament, how often that's what the writers called other believers, uh, brothers and sisters. And, and so in Jesus, we, we are family. We are family because of Jesus. Uh, Jesus himself, I don't know if y'all remember the story where Jesus' mom and uh, brothers came and he was teaching in a house and they came and somebody came and interrupted Jesus and said, hey, your family's here and they want to, to see you. And Jesus was like, no, this is my family. Um, I, don't, I don't know if you remember that in the stories or not, but, but Jesus understood that family in, in, in God, there, there is a different kind of family. So a lot of times we talk about our church family. Um, I, I want to correct you. It's not church family. It's family. Like it, it's, we, we are family because of Jesus. This is a part of the good news of the gospel. We are family because of Jesus. So the question, and I know y'all have already talked about family, the question then is not um, what do we do to, to be family or how do we act like family? The question shifts to, okay, we're family. Now, what does that look like? A better question is, okay, we're family. Jesus says we're family. How do we live as family, right? And so then you can ask of your, of your church or of your missional community, um, in a healthy family, what are things that families do? And then you say, are we doing those things? And so a healthy family shares meals together. A healthy family celebrates birthdays together, right? Those are things that a family does together. And so then you, you look at this family and say, Gosh, do we do that as a family? And so the question shifts, right? Not like, how do we act like we're family? No, you are family. Now, what should you do because you are family? I hope that makes sense to you. Now, when it comes to servant, and this is really my topic, um, one of the topics tonight, same is true. Matthew, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go quickly. Matthew 20, verse 28, Mark 10, 45. Jesus is with his disciples and they're debating on who's gonna lead who's going to be most important, Jesus stops them and says, listen, that's not the way it is in the kingdom of God. Um, in the kingdom of God, the first will be last and the last will be first. Jesus said, I came, I came not to be served, but to what? To serve. In fact, after that, he says um, to give my life up for many. And so what Jesus is saying, I came to serve by giving myself away for many. Now, Paul said in Philippians 2, the same thing of Jesus, that he humbled himself, taking on humanity, the flesh of humanity. He humbled himself um, even to the point of death. And he is described by Paul as a servant. Now, at the tables, we talked about this as well. There's a difference in our understanding of what a servant is was for Jesus and what we think of as a servant today. When they talked about servant in there, um, that means it's getting good, right? 
When, um, when Jesus in the New Testament talks about a servant, they're really talking more about a slave, uh, even a bond servant, right? A bond servant was someone who owed a debt, and so they sold themselves to pay off their debt. And so I would have to work for Chris until I had paid my debt off. Now, while I worked for Chris, I belonged to Chris. I was his. I was a slave to Chris until my debt was, was paid off. So, so a servant in those terms, much more like what we think of as, as a slave, and, and when we think of the history of slavery in our country, while there are differences, there are also similarities. They were essentially owned, and a servant essentially owned. And so when it comes to a slave, um, I ask the question, when does a slave get off of work? It's kind of a silly question. The answer is never. You never get off work when you're a slave. Like, whatever the master needs, that's what the slave does. If, if the slave is at home and asleep and there's a need, um, then when the master comes and said there's a need, the slave gets up and takes care of the need. That's the way slavery worked. That's the way the biblical servant worked as well. M- much, much closer aligned to, um, to, to slavery, the servants are. Now, here's the thing about that. So when we hear them in the New Testament talking about being a servant, servant wasn't a job that they clocked in and out of. Are you with me? No? Okay. Servant wasn't something that they they did from nine to five. Servant was who they are. I mean, that, that's, that's, that's who they were. And so 24 hours a day, seven days a week, they were a servant. When Jesus says that he came to serve, that, that's, what he, that's what he meant. Like, I am here as a servant. Uh, I serve 24-7. Even now, Jesus, Jesus is serving us. Jesus is a servant. Jesus was a servant. Jesus did what servants do, and Jesus did it all the time. Now, in Romans chapter 8, I love Romans 8, the Apostle Paul talks about um, sanctification. And he says that that more and more we are being shaped into the image of Jesus, right? More and more we should be looking like Jesus as we we grow in Christ, as we grow in our maturity. Now, what that means is that if Jesus was a servant and we are being shaped into the image of Jesus, more and more we should look like Jesus, and that means we should look like a what? A servant, right? Right? So maturity for us, maturity for us, um, it, it isn't a measure of theological knowledge necessarily. It's not being in a place where you get to tell everybody else what to do while you sit around and make the decisions. Leadership is being a servant. Growing in maturity means that we, we are servants. And, and serving, what I'm talking about in, in serving, just like with Jesus, it, it's something we do everywhere. We are a servant everywhere. We're a servant at work, even if we own the company. We serve the people who work for us. We are, if we are an employee, we serve the owner and we serve our customers. If we are children growing in Christ, we serve our parents. If we are parents, we serve our children. We serve wherever we go. We serve whatever we, wherever we are, whatever we're doing. And that's not because we're trying to check some things off our list, y'all. It's because that's who we are. Because we are shaped into the image of Jesus, and that makes us servants just like him. 
Um, so on your table is a document from New City and it's got our identities on it. And it sort of describes how we live out our identities together. When it comes to servant, it says, in our missional communities, we use our gifts and resources to meet one another's needs. So we are serving one another in our missional community um, as we also work together to meet the needs of our neighbors and community. So we're not only serving one another in our MC. Now this is important, y'all. An MC is not somewhere that you go to be served. Did y'all hear me? An MC is, is somewhere where servants gather. And, and we are all serving in our MC. So this model of there being, um, I don't know how y'all's groups were set up in, in my past when I was a part of a group. There was a leader for the group, maybe a husband and wife, they were the leaders of the group. They kind of did everything and we just showed up. If there was a study, we might study before we got there, but they did everything. That's not the way missional community is. That's not the way the church should be. We are servants, and so we serve together in our missional community, and we serve our neighbors and our community, middle Georgia area, together as a missional community. So for us, that looks like quarterly service um, partnerships. Quarterly service partnerships are a way that we can serve middle Georgia while encouraging both believers and unbelievers in the gospel. Uh, so in an MC, um, and for people at New City, we serve in a lot of ways, uh, a lot of different roles. Teaching in the kids' area is a way to serve. It's not babysitting. It is serving. It's serving the kids. It's serving the families. Um, greeting, hospitality, taking out the garbage. I have yet to meet anyone who had the spiritual gift of taking out the garbage. Right? Like people say, that's not my gift. I understand. We are all gifted with it, right? That may not be your main gift. Um, but when it comes to an MC cleaning up after the missional community, we all chip in and clean up after the missional community. Nobody finishes an MC night and just leaves. We clean up behind the kids. We clean up the kitchen. We clean up, put away chairs, whatever needs to be done. Y'all, the reason we do that is because we're what? Servants and family. And that's what we do, right? In my family, uh, everybody helps. In my family, everybody loads and unloads the dishwasher. Um, and so all of that is, is, is visible in, in the missional community and our life together. Um, uh, when it comes to these partnerships and the way that we serve, uh, we hope that that happens quarterly. We press that. For some MCs, it happens more than quarterly. This might be in a neighborhood, like some of our missional communities serve their neighborhood. And once a month, they will just have a block party in their neighborhood and invite everybody to come over. One of our MCs last week had an ice cream social and just invited all the neighbors over for, for ice cream. They had a little bouncy house for kids and it was just a neighborhood hangout and they invited all their neighbors to come and be a part of it. Some of our MCs have done neighborhood cleanups. So in their neighborhood were maybe some older folks who couldn't take care of their yard or people who had medical needs. And they just went, they, they just went and took care of the yard for the day. Just go and take care of it, serve their neighbors and their neighborhood. We've had um, partnerships with DFACs, Caring Solutions, schools. We've even partnered with other churches, um, especially when churches are just getting started or they're just struggling and not, um, don't have a lot of people to help. So here's an amazing thing when, when we talk about serving in this way. 
Um, I've been a part of a lot of churches through the years. Normally, the churches I was a part of, we would do church-wide service projects or partnerships. And um, we'd, we'd try to gather the whole church to go serve somewhere. We'd probably have about 20% of the church show up for a service project. And if it was a church that was really active, we would do it about four times a year. So about four times a year, the same 20 people would show up to do the service project that we were doing. So think about it this way. If you have 10 MCs, if you have 10 missional communities, and each one of them has some sort of a partnership that they've formed, and they do it just quarterly, that's 40 touches in your community. It's 40 different touches all over middle Georgia through your missional communities, whether it's serving at DFACs or just serving in a neighborhood. When I say just serving in a neighborhood, I, I put that in quotations, right? Just serving in a neighborhood. 40 touches. Um, and, and the truth is, uh, you're not going to get 100% participation in that, but I promise you'll get more than the 20% that you normally do when you do something church-wide. So that is a beautiful, beautiful thing, amazing thing to see. Family, um, family, servants, missionaries. So I want to talk quickly about missionaries. Who's familiar with the Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28? Everybody who's been in church for very long is probably familiar with it. Just before Jesus ascended, he was with his disciples, gave them some walking instructions, um, like, hey, I'm fixing to leave, and here's what you do when I'm gone. Um, he said, as you go, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, um, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. Um, Jesus said, the last thing he said was teaching them everything that I have commanded you. What had he just commanded them? As you go, the verb in the Great Commission is make disciples. The command in the, in the Great Commission is not go, it is make disciples. Jesus commanded his disciples to make disciples. There were two parts to that. One is baptizing, which means you've shared the gospel with them. Second part of it is teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded. And he had just commanded them to make disciples. I don't know why for me that was revolutionary, but it was like, holy cow. Like Jesus started this process that is passed on to every generation of disciples. And the reason that we are in this room is because the Great Commission has been passed on from generation to generation to generation. You have heard of Jesus and believe in him because somebody took the Great Commission seriously. Isn't that amazing? So Jesus has given this great commission to all of his disciples, and he said, listen, make sure that the disciples that you make also learn to do everything that I have commanded, which is also making disciples and teaching them to make disciples. So generation after generation after generation, we all receive the same commission to make disciples. Y'all, here, here is what that means. Every single believer is a missionary. Where are the amens? <laughs> Every single one of us is a missionary. I grew up thinking missionaries went to these faraway places. Like, I remember having missionaries come from faraway places dressed in the, the attire of the people where they lived, and, and they had slideshows 
um, the clicker, clicking from one slide to another slide, talking about the things that happen in the country that they're in. That was my idea of what a missionary was until I understood this. And this is saying that every one of us is a missionary. The Apostle Paul, 2 Corinthians 5, he confirms that and verifies it. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that is all of us who believe, then you are a new creation. The new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself. This is the good news of the gospel. Reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry. Every one of us who are in Christ, he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Every single one of us. This is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. Gave, gave each of us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sin, sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. The gospel message is your message. You are an ambassador of Christ. That's what he says in, in verse 20. We are therefore ambassadors of Christ as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you, we beg you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So, so, so what the Apostle Paul is saying is the same thing that Jesus said. Every single believer is a missionary. Every single believer is tasked with being an ambassador uh, of Christ. We are to see others reconciled to God in Christ just as we have been. All believers are missionaries, every one of us. Here's the bad news. Most of us just stink as missionaries. And maybe it's ignorance because we didn't understand that we were all missionaries. So if you're in this room, you are no longer ignorant. You, you know now you, you are a missionary. You are a missionary. So, so going back to that question that was on your table that hopefully you guys talked about and being a missionary, and if you sent a missionary out, like if, if, if Piedmont paid for a missionary to go live in another country and, and to take the gospel to that country, what sort of expectations would you, would you have for that person? Like, what would you expect them to do? That was really what I wanted you guys to talk about, because here's the truth. The question then flips, are you doing those things? At our table, we talked about developing relationships with people who don't know Jesus. Well, they would have to develop relationships. They would have to find ways and do things to engage with people in order to have relationships where they could um, earn a standing with the people and be able to share Jesus with them. Maybe that would be one of the things we talked about was serving. What are the needs there? So we serve and we meet the needs in order that we have a relationship with them so that we can share the gospel with them. We would expect that if we sent a missionary to a foreign place. You guys are missionaries. I love that. Think about, here's the thing. Think about what would happen if we all lived like missionaries. Isn't that amazing? I mean, what would change in our city? What would change in middle Georgia? What would change all around us if we actually believed that we were missionaries? Well, you are. Jesus said so. The Apostle Paul said so. 
I'm just telling you what they said. So let me tell you quickly some ways um, other than, so we want everyone individually to live as a missionary because each of us as believers is a missionary, but there are other ways that we, that we live as missionaries, and, and a lot of that is through our missional communities. Um, we are missionaries together. We call them missional communities for a reason. Mission is a big part of what our MCs do. So there is, um, uh, there is on your table, that document that has our um, identities on there, there's something on there uh, about being missionaries. Um, we use third place uh, as our primary means for being missional. You all may do it differently, but I want to tell you what we do and why we do it. Um, we do every third week of the month, our missional communities do something outside of the ordinary. Our missional communities do something where they can invite co-workers, neighbors, friends, maybe even family members who don't love and follow Jesus to come and do something fun and hang out with our community. Like just come and be around us because chances are that they, they don't think highly of Christians. They've never, they've never belonged to a group of Christians. They have different ideas of what Christianity is. And so we invite them, come. Maybe we're going bowling. My missional community oftentimes will split up and one month for our third place, our ladies will all go out and they'll have a ladies night together um, and invite people that, that don't have a church to go out with them. Like it, my, my wife does a much better job at, at inviting to things like that than, than most of our guys and myself do. Um, so she's got a couple of ladies from the gym that we go to. Uh, and every time there's a ladies' night, those ladies are there. They don't have a church home. They're not believers. So we are hoping that we can create a belonging for them before they believe. Our hope is that through the relationships that we, we develop with them, again, going back to the missionary thing, how do you tell people about Jesus? You create opportunities, you develop relationships in which you can then begin to share the gospel. Third place is that. It's us creating a way to, to invite our neighbors and our friends. At Thanksgiving, um, my missional community, again, we have somewhere around 18 people in our missional community and then about 300 kids. Um, we got a lot of kids in our missional community. We got about 18 people. So at Thanksgiving, what we do for third place is we divide up into groups of maybe a few couples and we do Friendsgiving. And the Friendsgiving that we do is to invite other people to our Friendsgiving. And so um, COVID messed that up. We'll start it back up this year. But when we did that before, uh, the gym is a place that I go to the gym. And one of the main reasons I go to the gym um, is because one is I need to work out. But the other is because as a pastor, there are not a lot of places for me to hang out with people who don't believe in Jesus. I spend most of my time doing things like this. So that is a, a way for me to intentionally be involved somewhere that, here we go again, as missionaries, how do you share the gospel with people? You find ways to be a part of the culture, to be around people who don't know Jesus so you can share Jesus. So we invited a bunch of people from my gym. They all came. And we had a house full of people from our gym and, and two or three other couples from my missional community we just hung out and enjoyed one another. 
Y'all, I cannot tell you because I don't know the number how many people are at New City from my gym because we do things like that. It is absolutely amazing. God works in all of those things. Um, So third place is one of the big ways, primary ways. I want to tell you this. Whatever y'all develop, if y'all develop something similarly, third place is not about you. Third place is not about you. It's about the people who aren't a part of your church group. It's about the people who aren't a part of your missional community. It's about the people who don't know, love, and follow Jesus. So you're going to be tempted to come up with things that you guys like to do, um, and that is not what third place is about. So I'm warning you, here's what's going to happen, and I'm telling you, don't fall into that trap. Make it what it should be, um, missional engagement. Last thing I want to push as far as mission. The most missional day of the week is Sunday, and, and the easiest place to be missional is on Sunday morning, right here at church. Um, don't get here 15 minutes late. I visited a few weeks ago. I saw some of y'all coming in 15 minutes late. Visitors get here 15 minutes early. Visitors will be here 15 minutes early, and you can find them because they're probably sitting alone in the sanctuary. I know Sunday is a great time to catch up with your friends because you haven't seen them. Um, Listen, don't forget about the mission. God is sending visitors to Piedmont Church for you to engage and invite into the community. Now, I will say, when Amy and I came a few weeks ago, um, we were greeted incredibly well. And so uh, I think I told Chris that day, like, y'all did a fantastic job. And some of y'all I know, but it wasn't just people that I know, just people saying good morning and smiling and welcoming us to Piedmont. Um, do even more. Like we say, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed us. Go out of your way to welcome people. Be here 15 minutes early. We have a missional community rack with missional community cards on it. Um, I know one of the questions that y'all have had because Chris has asked me before is how do you get people into your missional community? Um, you, You meet the visitors who are here on Sunday morning and you find out their name, and you make them feel really welcome, and you say, hey, we do groups that meet in homes during the week. Would y'all be interested in learning a little bit about that? Or, hey, can I show you information that we have on our groups? That's all the time, every week, our people, not me, not the staff, our people are just greeting people, meeting people. I, it is not unusual at all to see them standing next, next to the missional community rack, handing out missional community cards and inviting the people to MC. Invite them to lunch with you uh, after church is over. Make them feel at home. Um, make them feel warm and welcomed right away. Last thing I'll say on that. Most people make the decision as to whether they will return or not to your church in the first six minutes. Before the music starts, before the preacher says the first thing, before there is an official welcome from the stage, they have already decided whether they're coming back to Piedmont or not. You guys are the front lines. Uh, I tell our people at New City, this is like shooting fish in a barrel. You know what? I have discovered that a lot of people don't know what that means. 
right? If you want to shoot a fish, the, 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 the easiest way to do it is when it's in a barrel, right? That's the way this is when it comes to mission. The easiest place to be on mission. Listen, people expect you to say hello. People expect you to ask them what their name is. People, when they visit a church, expect you to shake their hands and introduce yourself to them. People expect, they want, they desire that. They want to be invited. They want to be included. Trust me, if they don't, you'll know. They'll just walk away. We started a, an MC 101 class because we had the same question that Chris asked. What do you do to get people involved in an MC who don't know anything about them? We tried it for several months. Nobody ever came. The reason nobody ever came was because our people were doing such a good job on Sunday morning, just meeting people and inviting them to MC. Our, our class served no purpose. Um, when we have our new city class, that's our membership class, we do that once a month. For the most part, I would say 80 to 90% of the people who come to our membership class are already a part of a missional community. So it used to be a part of our class where we talked about what missional communities are and do and let us help you connect. And then it was like, well, we just need to cut that out of the class because everybody is already a part of it. So, missionary, right? It's who you are. It's not just something that you do. It's not a trip that you take. It's who you are, just like servant, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. The question isn't, like, are you a servant or are you a missionary? The question is, are you living like you are? Because Jesus says that you are. Jesus says that we are. Um, so, that's it. That's, that's all I got. Okay, so before they, y'all go ahead and stay up. I mean, you get up here. I'm, I'll walk around with the phone to question Q and A. I want to, I want to, as we kind of dive into this Q and A, I, I want to, I guess, lead you in a direction and make sure that, I, I, for those of you who've been here all three weeks or listen to the podcast, whatever, you probably feel like you're drinking out of a fire hose. And if you don't, it means you haven't really been paying attention. If I'm being honest, because it's a lot. I've been studying it. I didn't know I was studying it for years, but I've been studying it for years, and then I've certainly been le- leaning into it for months. I want to make sure that some of our language is clear. So he just talked about three identities. Okay. So what are our three identities in Christ? Family, servant, missionary. As a part of missional communities, we have three identities that we live out in three rhythms. Right. So they use the language of third place. We use the language of neighborhood of the nation. So our three rhythms as a missional community living out the three identities are family gathering, DNA, and neighborhood to the nations. So So we have an identity in Christ. The rhythms exist to help us live out those identities. Do we understand? I'm hoping that that kind of leads you to this direction. So when we're talking, when we're going to ask questions for Keith and Larry tonight, they, they should be, hey, in the eye, you know, trying to live out this identity of missionary or something like that, what does this rhythm look like? You know, what does third place look like? What does DNA look like? What does family gathering look like? We've, y'all should know about family gathering because in a lot of ways, you've done that. Like that's, so many ways, that's not the new part. I think the new part for most of us is the DNA and the neighborhood of nations slash third week, third place. Third place, neighborhood of nations is gonna operate the exact same for us. We just called it a different name. So, 
with all of that information. Questions? Who's got one? Don't all, you know, come at once. It's okay. Yeah, go ahead. Yep. I have a question about uh, like the missionary aspect and like the bringing people into your uh, your missional community with like DNA groups. Uh, most accountability groups that I've been a part of are more longstanding and very tight knit and like discuss some like really hard things going on in their life. How do you see you bring someone in that's not part of that and then they like integrate into that seamlessly? Yeah, I so and as far as DNA groups are concerned, one of the things that we we at New City try to do for our DNA groups is that our DNA groups are almost functioning as a subset of the missional community. However, um, you know, if you have, you know, say, uh, a few guys within the missional community and maybe one of you know, maybe perhaps someone who is not a believer or maybe perhaps may, may be interested in well, what you guys believe, invite him into to simply say, hey, a couple of us guys, we meet at uh, Cracker Barrel on Saturday at 7.30, man. We, we, we talk about um, the scriptures. Would you like to be a part of that? And invite him into, the, um, into that. And then also the same thing with uh, missional communities. It's just simply as inviting and just knowing some of the guys that are around you that may, or people around you that may need community. And you know those needs of those people because you know them. Some of, um, in language and just the more you talk about, the more it, it hopefully will come become more apparent, like DNA stands for discover, nurture, and act. Mm -hmm. And so we want to discover from the scripture who God is and what he's done for us, um, particularly in and through Jesus. So we are looking at scripture and we're talking about the gospel, who God is and what he's done for us. Um, we nurture one another as we apply the gospel to our lives. Um, and we act on what it is that we are learning. So it's not like a uh, an old, I mean, I, I go back to the 90s accountability group where, where I tell you my <laughs> deepest, darkest sin and you pray for me and then two weeks later I'm struggling with the same sin. Like, this is, this is not that. It is a place where we will talk about our sin, but we are going to encourage how do we apply the gospel to that? What does God have to say about it? What does it mean in who he is and what he's done? I love you. I want to nurture you. You're not alone in this. Now, how can we act um, to move in a better direction? Okay. Um, so that's what DNA groups are for us. Um, ideally, uh, you are right. Sometimes those groups are going to stick together for a long time. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, the one thing that I would encourage people to, to know and understand is there are other guys who need that. And so at some point, it's going to be good for, if you're meeting with two other guys, for you all to say, you know what, um, I think I'm going to step out and invite Mike and John to, um, to do this with me. Because DNA and MC at the heart is discipleship. It's not just hanging out with people. It's discipleship. We are, we are disciples who make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. Does that make sense? And we'll, we'll talk about specific week four for us will be specifically on some of these things. But I think it's great to ask them their perspective on some of how these rhythms are lived out. Next question. Yeah, Katie. Uh, I think I'm figuring this question out as you're talking or the answer out. But I thought I would just ask anyway, in kind of the old model, I know. We used to have to be super sensitive about the timing of bringing somebody new into the group. 
because what if Susan were on, you know, the second month and she's about ready to really share something that's really personal, a part of her testimony. Then all of a sudden you bring someone in that's new and she goes right back into her little shell and doesn't share anymore. Um, where does that play into with an MC of just the freedom of constantly inviting somebody new? Do we just kind of throw that out the window and just not worry about Susan or where, where does that play? How does that play? So again, just to make sure I understand when you say MC and the question, are you talking about DNA? Are you talking about family gathering? Are you talking uh, about the whole thing? Well, I would assume probably family gathering. Like if a new couple comes in my church and I'm like, Hey, you want to come to our family gathering tonight? You know, I'm assuming everybody else needs to be on board, or, or is that just how it works? Do you just know that up front? Yeah, so, I, so I just, I'll just speak for our, our missional communities. Um, we, we, we are constantly inviting. We encourage our people to constantly invite. And when, they, when someone does come to our family gathering, what we, we tell everyone and what we, 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 we hope that everyone is doing is helping others to feel included because we're because we know that we're, we're family we know that we've been drawn um close um to um to the father by jesus right we draw others close and so what that means is maybe in discussion maybe around the table and when we're eating and you know asking people you know what they think and you know learning more about them championing their voices making them feel like they're part of the family. And even in our, we have a, our MCs called sermon discussion, right? And that's, that's one of the, the, a big rhythm of our family gatherings, right? We have sermon discussion. During sermon discussion, there's an opportunity for everyone to, to speak into some of those questions there. Well, I think, can I stop? Yeah. Because I think her question is different than your answer. Okay. So your answer is absolutely 100% accurate in encouraging everybody to participate. Yeah. We, pra we, we have open, like our groups are not closed, they're open groups. That's part of the missional side of it. Um, the reality is that when we're having those sermon discussions, they're not gonna go as deep as DNA. So those things where you're just about to open up but a newcomer comes in, that's probably a DNA thing. Um, that's something that happens in a smaller group. So if, um, if you, if you know Amelia and she is at this place and she's getting there and she's got these, like the best thing to do is like for you to reach out to her and maybe a couple of ladies invite her into a DNA group where she's gonna be much more comfortable to share those deeper things. And so we have open groups. That it, we, I'm telling you, we, we have open groups, but it is family. Um, we're, we don't, and I, and, this is a little bit different model. So I, I, there are a lot of things that you don't need to talk about in an open group. DNA is the place that we talk about those things. Is that helpful? Yes. That, yeah. But we want to talk about them. Yeah. That's just not the place to do it. Okay. I like one of the things they, they said, when we, for those of you who went to the New City training, I don't know, seems like a year ago. It was four weeks ago, right? Three weeks ago? Something like that. Um, they talked about, so when we're in the family gatherings, we're having those sermon discussion times, that is not a time for them to necessarily get deep in theology and uh, this big, you know, share moment. It's a time to talk about application. So like this past weekend, we talked about doubt and how we overcome doubt. We, we overcome doubt by serving and loving and, and connecting to Jesus. So when we got into our sermon discussion and our family gathering in our MC, we would talk. So, hey, 
How, how have you struggled with doubt in the past? How, what are ways that we can apply some of these scriptures and some of these things we talked about on Sunday morning? How, how can we serve and love to get rid of doubts? And then maybe when you went to DNA, that's when you were like, well, Andy, what doubts do you struggle with? Right? Because it's not 18 people in a room anymore. Now it's three to four. And Andy has a place where he can go, well, I've struggled with X, Y, and Z. And he'll be affirmed. And hey, it's okay. I'm right there with you, brother. And then we're going to go, well, how do we help you get over those? Here are the actions we can take with each other to help Andy get over those doubts. Did I say that right? Yeah. Yeah. And I want to add something. Yeah. And some, and some of the times within that, your, your discussions within your family gathering, some of those things will come up. Um, so there's, again, there's that balance. Like, yeah, there's some things that we can need to talk about maybe outside and maybe perhaps in our DNA group, but within your missional community while you're having discussion, one of the goals of having those discussions is to, to speak the gospel to one another, to speak the truth and love to one another. So don't miss that also, too. There's a place within your missional community family gathering where you should be speaking the gospel to one another. And yes, for those intimate moments, which our DNA groups are, three to four um, um, men, and women, um, men with men and women with women, for you to have some of those moments more intimately. And I would say this, just as we were talking about it, even in my family, like if I know one of my one of my kids is struggling with something, I don't necessarily talk about it with the whole family. I, I will pull my son to the side and say, hey, let's talk about this. What's going on? Uh, and so I think it's similar, um, whether it's a DNA group discussion or it's just you pulling a sister to the side. Um, plenty of ways to do it. We want to do it. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Next up, Lee. Hold on, just a sec. Yep, go ahead. It's more of a review question, I guess, for old people like me. But okay, for will you remind us what the month or what you're wanting the month to look like? Because y'all are throwing out DNA, and sometimes you're referring to a Saturday morning. Other times, I thought we've said that would be during the missional community time. So would, so then that makes me in my brain think that's the men in one room, the women in another, and the children somewhere else. But then y'all are talking about um, sometimes eating dinner. So yeah. can you kind of show me what a month looks like? Yeah, so if, uh, if you'll, can, can I take this? Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, if you'll <laughs> refer back to uh, the missional community handbook that we gave out. It's got 35 or so pages in there. The last two or three have several examples of the rhythms of a month. So we're not going to say, hey, here's what every group should do. Um, we kind of have, I think there's five or six recommendations. Like one of the recommendations, um, the, the thing that we're going to try to live in as, as a church is the first week of the month should kind of be a family gathering dead week. That's a, that's a time for your leader and your co-leader, uh, your host maybe of the family gathering, um, to get a break, honestly, right? And again, terminology's big. So a missional community is all the people. Uh, it's just, it's just th we, this is my community. And then the family gathering, DNA, and Neighborhood of the Nations is what we live in as the missional community, okay? So family gathering, week one, kind of dead week. Some, some groups may say, hey, that'd be a great week to do a DNA. You know, some of the girls do this thing, but that's, again, if there's six couples, that's six girls, 
six guys. And so three guys might say, hey, Monday night at 9 p.m., we can get together and open the, you know, the word together and have a cigar and talk about all these things in our life. The girls might say, well, at noon on Thursdays, we can meet at Cathedral and, you know, do that. And that's when our DNA time would work. And it's just you three, right? So week one, dead. Week two, family gathering is, is, is a great time to do that. Week three, neighborhood of the nations. That's where you kind of live out that third place stuff you talked about, where maybe you put on, uh, maybe your group splits up. And you have a ladies' night, like his group talked about. Or you have an opportunity where, hey, we're going to have a barbecue. We're going to invite everybody over the house. And we're going to each try to invite that one person, one couple that we're trying to disciple. We're, we're trying to evangelize. We're trying to build this relationship with them to connect them eventually to the gospel. Maybe they're at work. Maybe they're the ball team, whatever it is. We're trying to just like be great humans with them and great humans in Christ, I should say. That's what third, the third place, neighborhood of the nation's idea is. And then week four, family gathering back into the house. Now the family gatherings have their own uniqueness, I should say. Uh, so they're not all going to look exactly the same. Um, there, there might be a family gathering where we're going to specialize and focus on prayer. We're going to do this. There, I think their family gatherings are a little more, y'all do the sermon questions like every time. Um, Ours, we're going to try to walk with each group and go, what works best for you? There are five things that make a family gathering great, you know, fellowship, food, prayer, listening to the scriptures and telling our stories. We're going to really try to get you to lean into the family aspect of family gathering. Uh, so the identity. So in the first several weeks of your family gathering, y'all should really be leaning into the story idea. Like you, you should know each other's gospel story as a family. I can remember when I was looking to get ordained, I sat in a room of men, elders, and they were going to ordain me. They asked me all these hard theological questions. And then they got to the hardest question of the night for me. Tell us your wife's gospel story. And I went, oh crap. How did my wife come to faith in Christ? When did she come to faith in Christ? That's something I should know, right? Like we're family on a whole kind of level, right? And if we're family together, I think we should kind of know each other's stories. And not even just the gospel, like salvation story, but what's God been doing in your heart? There's all kinds of different ways that that looks at. So there's a different rhythm. Would y'all add, subtract anything that I said? So I, I, I would say, yeah, that's, that's huge, telling our story, telling our gospel story. And so many of our MCs, what they'll do, you know, not just doing the um, sermon discussion, but sometimes maybe right after their meal, they'll have someone tell their gospel story before we get into sermon discussion. Of course, prayer is a, is a huge part of every uh, family gathering. So there's different, as you said, different missional communities do different things. So you'll have a sermon discussion night. Some submissional communities, while we do sermon discussion, most of the time, some missional communities will maybe perhaps pray for that particular night. I just, one of our visitors recently, one of them passed away in the missional community, got together, and they, they just prayed together for, from, from 7 to about 7.45, praying together for that family. And not just praying for them um, too, but also finding out ways that they can serve yeah. that family that was going through things. So mission, different missional communities do different things, but yeah, that's how our missional communities come. You've probably heard me, if you haven't heard me, hear this. This is for us kind of like a two-year process. Uh, you've probably heard us say, um, there's a lot on this you already know. 
So there's a lot of this you don't already know. And so each missional community will look unique, the way you function. And so learning how you guys work um, and live out those identities will be key. And, and I think in doing that, you have to also, I, I, think, I think it was Keith last week or maybe, maybe it was Matt. You know, as you're learning this, you can't get comfortable because the goal is not to build another version of a holy huddle. Right? Like, the goal is not to live out these identities um, so that we can just all do this with ourselves. Our goal is to multiply because that's what making disciples means. Like, so if your MC is only asking the question of how does this make our life feel better, you have missed what an MC is completely. An MC is not about you. It's about living out the discipleship call from Jesus and giving him all glory and pointing people in your life to him. Okay. But I will say with that, because that's what God has created you to do. That's what you have been created for. You've been created for community. Yes. yes. Um, the, the, the best place for you to be, the healthiest place for you to be, is in the family that God created you for. Yeah. He's made you a missionary. Uh, I, I, he, he, you, you are servants. And so the truth is, while, while Chris is right, it's not all about you. Missional community isn't all about you. I will promise you, when, when you live as a, a family of servant missionaries, you will find your most fulfillment. Mm-hmm. And so it is about you too. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it is both. Yeah. See, Keith makes me better. Anyway. <laughs> All right. Next question. Yes, sir. How many times do you take no for an answer if you invite somebody to your missional community? <laughs> How many times do you take no for an answer, invite them to the MC? You mean like inviting the same person over and over and over? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, there is a line. There's a line. <laughs> I, I, um, I, I, I will use that as an opportunity to, to plug third place. Yes. Um, what are things that that person enjoys doing? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it may be that your, your missional community chooses a third place activity for that one person. And leading up to that third place activity, your missional community spends a month praying for them. And then, when it, then, then you invite them to do whatever that thing is that they enjoy doing. Um, yeah, so. He said a phrase earlier, and it's, it's key. Find a place for someone to belong before they believe. And so when you're talking about, the, you know, the mission, the, inviting them to the family gathering, they're not saying, no, he's right. Like, you know, maybe they like playing... Dungeons and Dragons, right? And so you find a few people that might actually try to spend a month learning how to play the card game Dungeons and Dragons. You invite homeboy over to play Dungeons and Dragons. What if they like hanging out at bars? I'm all for it. I will help you. <laughs> you know? Wait, uh, erase that one. <laughs> uh, all right. Next question. Hold. Yep. Um, how does the multiplication process look? So... If you keep inviting and keep inviting, eventually your group's going to get too big and you're supposed to multiply. So let's say 
a couple wants to start their own MC and so they branch off to multiply, but nobody wants to follow them because they all want to stay in this group. So now they've started a new group. They can invite new people, but does this group continue to keep inviting people? Because it can't just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah, so, um, so, yeah. <laughs> oh, let me talk about the phone. Oh, no, 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 you're good. I'm recording. So oh. I'm just all the way across the room. So. <laughs> all right, so what we talk about in New City is so to plan a missional community, we, we have three things that we look for. One, number one, committed leaders. Um, so you need MC leaders and co-leaders. You need uh, core family, uh, uh, core families, and you need host home. You need some place where to, where to gather, right? But within the missional community, we, I love the fact that Chris talked about this. The goal of every missional community should be to multiply, right? We want to see the gospel saturate everything around us. However, in order to be able to multiply, first you need to talk about it. And second of all, you need to start be, um, doing leadership development. You can't multiply missional communities without multiplying leaders. And so in your missional community, as you're serving one another and as you're meeting together, you guys should be um, you know, discipling one another and developing leaders around you so that you may be able to, to plant along the lines of those things that we talk about that we need. And so you're completely right. And some MCs will get really, really large. That's a problem for a reason. Sometimes we think about mission as only something that happens outside of the missional community, but also needs to happen within the missional community. We're supposed to be teaching one another, teaching others to obey all that Christ has commanded. And so in the missional community, when you have a lot of people and people can't get an opportunity to talk, what happens? The mission is stifled within. So because you can't speak the gospel to people because you're not speaking. Well, and, and maybe perhaps you're not even in um, DNA groups. So that's why you need multiplication. But to get to that, you need to talk about it from the very beginning. It needs to be in everybody's mind that, hey, here's, here's the vision of the missional community. We, we want to, to, to ultimately multiply. We want to make more disciples. But how do we get there? Let's start developing leaders so that we can get to that place. And, of course, we need those three things, committed leaders, core families, and a host home to meet and gather at. I would, um, so I think this is the time that this starts. Like, you just know that the goal of the church is to reach as many people. I mean, it's the Great Commission, right? Our goal is to make disciples and to train them, teach them what it means to love and follow Jesus. Missional community is a way of discipling. It is a way for us to, to reach people with the gospel and teach them what it means to love and follow Jesus. We're not doing it alone. We're doing it together with this group. And so at New City, um, is it Brandon? JD. JD. Did we talk last week? Who did I talk with last week? Brandon, who left? He's also okay. gender, though. Yes, he is. Um, okay, so we talked last week about this. It's not a complicated thing. Like, I know you hear us talk about discipling and raising up leaders, and you're like, holy cow, this is just too much make it simple right and so when you have a missional community and you have people who are faithful and attending um, then you give them an easy task to do like hey would would you um, would you possibly consider taking over handling the um, the meal schedule for us because all of our MCs have a meal we all do it a little bit differently but in in my MC, what we used to do is we had the person who was in charge of it, and they would assign members in the MC, okay, you've got the main dish, 
um, first week, third week, whatever week it was, and then we would we would ask people, okay, what are you what are what is the main dish, and everybody else brings sides. Somebody headed that up. It's not a hard thing. It's really easy, an easy system for it. Anybody can do it. So you take somebody who is faithful just in coming, and they are there, and they're a part of your family, and you give them a task, and you help them to do the task, and you say, here's how we do this task. You hold them accountable to it. Like, hey, you haven't posted the meal yet. It'd be great if you could, so we can go to the grocery store or whatever. Um, and, and what you're doing is helping them to fulfill this leadership role. And there may be people who are great at answering questions and you say, you do a really good job at answering questions and even keeping us um, where we need to be in our discussion. Would you consider writing discussion questions this week? Or would you consider leading? And then you give them feedback. It's an apprenticeship sort of thing. And so what you're doing is equipping them to do all these different tasks in the MC. So now when it comes time, for the MC has grown and it's time for them to plant. Well, you've already got several people who can handle a meal rotation. You've already got several people who can handle the sermon discussion, which is what we, what we do. And you've got several people who can do all of the different roles. And so then it's, it's not like nobody knows how to do anything. And so it's keep it as simple as you can, that you are moving people toward becoming MC leaders. I love the picture from the book of Acts, and I wish that, that my church had it completely, and I, I would love for y'all to have it. In the book of Acts, um, Paul was, like, his goal was to go where somebody didn't know the gospel. And everywhere that Paul went in the book of Acts, he would get off of a ship or he would come into a town. The people who would meet him were Christians. It was like wherever he went, they were already there. And it was because average, regular people had gone ahead of Paul, and they were sharing the gospel with the people that they knew. And so here's what happened in all of those cities. A small group of people heard the gospel and believed the gospel and they started meeting in their home. And then more people heard the gospel and now they wouldn't fit in the home. And so somebody in that, in that group said, I got a home, I can take six or eight people and we'll start meeting in my home. And then more people heard and more people heard and the church was nothing but a bunch of house churches throughout the cities. And so like that's what missional communities should be. Like that's the picture, it's what we see in the book. It's a movement, it really is a movement. It's not like this isn't just a, it's not my house party, it's not my home group, it's not my special people. It is a gospel movement and the gospel is what transforms everything. I mean, it changes everything. That's, that's what we want, the gospel going for. Sorry, I'll get off my soapbox. Y'all get up for Keith and Larry. Uh, hey, real quick, as I wrap up, we still have one more week. Next week, we'll talk about um, a little bit of what's in front of you uh, in detail. But I wanted to go over this re really quickly with you. So if, if you're in this room, I, I hope you've heard tonight that you're not just like, uh, I don't know, a community group attender or whatever. Like you're a missionary, you're a servant, and you, you're family. And so I'm looking at the possibility of every single person in this room uh, leading, co-leading, or being a core family for a future MC. Some of you came in and you're like, well, I've got a group that I love and I don't want to leave it. And I hear you. I've actually you, been praying for two weeks about maybe God can move your heart because there might be some, there might need to be another seat in your group. And that's only going to happen if you get up and to maybe go start another one. But either way, we'll talk about some of that in details next week. What you have in front of you is a kind of a checklist to what it would look like for somebody to start an MC. 
Uh, These are things that you should be thinking about if you're going, man, I'd like to see more people come to faith in Christ. I'd like to to have this family. I'd like to live out some of these identities. Here are some of the things. And the first one was big picture leadership. There's a lot of things underneath that. There's the details and planning. There's responsibilities and trying to figure out these things. And then there's early days after launch. Now, I don't want you to look at that and go overwhelmed and feel like I can't do it. Uh, we'll walk with you and through these things, but these are going to be some of the questions and things that we're asking leaders to think about and to be functioning in. If you're, if you're thinking about, hey, these are what we're going to be doing to launch one, that means what you should be doing to operate one as well. Um, the coming pages right after that are, are a little quicker detail. So um, thankfully to New City and to churches like Summit Crossing, we have a DNA one pager. So instead of going through that 35-page document, here's one page on what a DNA is, right? If you want to know one page what a neighborhood of the nations is, there's a one-pager for you. If you need to know what a one-pager is for family gathering, refer to the 35-page document. Um, <laughs> there's a, we talked about raising up leaders multiplication. One of the things with MCs we're going to be doing is nights like this um, about every other month. Uh, they're called MC Coaching Collectives. We did one with New City just uh, at the beginning of this month. Our next one's in October, then December, and then in February, we got a cool opportunity. New City's bringing in a guy named Jeff Vanderstelt, who kind of uh, put a lot of language behind this. Uh, obviously, nothing that here is new because Jesus founded it, right? But he kind of put some language to it. He's going to be coming in town that weekend. It'll be like a Friday night and a Saturday. I don't have all the details yet. Uh, and then the one in April. Those are times where we're going to be looking at the leader and the co-leader and going, hey, we need you in the room. You're you're going to gather with us. We're going to worship together. We're going to talk about uh, how we live out these things. We're going to some nights will be specially focused on some things. Some nights will just be in general. We'll put you in a group with all the other MC leaders and we'll say, here's four or five questions. Learn from each other. What's working? What's not working? Some of those deals. Uh, And then what you have in the next couple of pages is you have kind of the job descriptions of a co-leader and a leader. And I want you to be able to read over those, whether you're a current leader of one of our groups or you're thinking about being a leader. Maybe, maybe you're in a group where there aren't such things as a co-leader. Keith talked about a lot of times, most of us, even in groups of Piedmont, have been in a group where one person did the whole thing. I mean, one person, if that one person, you know, got sick, then Maybe they could have a phone call. Hey, I need you to fill in here. I send that text message there. But for the most part, groups for ages have operated off of one person or one couple. And what we're trying to model is kind of a plurality of leadership, just like we have in our church. We have a plurality of leadership. And so um, those are modeled right there. And then the last page, I wanted you to see this missional community possibility. So as new MCs form over the, the, the days, somebody's asked me, Hey, how, 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 are, how are new MCs going to start in your church? How are people going to learn about MCs? Well, my first answer is, well, you're going to tell them about it, right? Just like Keith said. It's not going to be Chris is on the stage and, man, he says missional communities, and they're just going to flock to them. That's not going to happen. If you have an announcement you want me to make on a Sunday morning, guess what? They don't work, right? You don't even hear me half the time I make them, right? So everybody wants me to announce, you know, Aunt Joe's baby shower. They don't work from the stage, right? So we don't do them from the stage because they don't work. And it's the same thing with Michigan communities. You know what does work? When I walk up to Keith and go, hey, man, my name's Chris. Hey, nice to meet you. Is this your first time here? No, man, I've been coming for a couple months. Oh, that's cool. Are you an MC? No. What's an MC? Man, dude, it's, it's, it's amazing. Let me tell you about it. Walk over the wall. We're going to have a wall right there in the thing. We'll talk about it next week. But right here, missional community possibilities. 
These are all the people who have a seat at the table at our church right now. Every dot you see there represents a family. What we did is we put a circle around these groups because the way the two groups are going to be formed is either by geography or social interest. And so I'm not saying we're going to mandate this. I'm not saying it has to be like this. I'm just saying look at the possibilities. Right here, we're a church that had 142 people at church this past weekend. And right here, if we took all the people who had a seat at the table, we got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten MCs. Right there, if you look at the white circles, represent over two MCs, at least two. The blue represent one MC. If you see somebody who's outside of a circle, it's because they could easily go to the circle that's closest to them, right? <laughs> it's because they live a really far way away, and I can't draw a circle that big. But, but I just want you to think, how many more of those dots could grow, like could happen? How many, how many people in our city are not represented on there? Not because like they're going to somebody else's church, but there's rec- record, you know, data out there that suggests 100,000 people in our city don't have, a faith, don't have faith in Jesus. 100,000, guys. What if we started living as family servant missionaries? This is a way to help us do this, to do the work of living in light of the gospel, like they say at New City. Let me pray. God, I just uh, I thank you for each one of the people in the room tonight and those that couldn't be here, maybe listen to the podcast later. God, I, I pray for New City. Uh, I'm, I'm thankful for their leadership, for the vision that they have, for what you continue to do in their church. I pray that as they transition to to meet at a different church facility over the next several weeks, that they don't be discouraged through the difficulties that are going to come with that, but they'll be encouraged, that they'll see uh, your hand at play in every aspect of it, that their leaders will step up in a whole new way. That I, I pray for church growth during this season. When, when, when every church growth strategist would say this couldn't happen, I pray that it happens so that you get the glory. Uh, I, I pray that their staff... Um, doesn't feel like the burden is on them that you have gone before and you are leading this church and they're just a part of it they just get to be a part of the shepherd staff that you you've put there so god i thank you for them i thank you for matt and and his wife Kristen, all the ministry that you continue to lay on on their heart as well god i pray for piedmont i pray that we will lean in and live out this identity of not just the family that gets all comfortable but the family that is servants and we live out being this identity of a missionary because that's what we are. We, we've been called to go and make your name known in every way possible. Help us to do this. Help us to become less so that you can become more. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen. Love you guys. We'll see you.